Hello, and welcome to Dollars and Cents, presented by North Main Financial. I'm your host, Joshua Doby. Thank you so much for tuning in to us here. Uh, four o'clock hour, we're getting to get stretch run. If you're a nine to fiver, you've got an hour to go yet. Don't slack off yet. You're getting paid for this hour. Make sure that you get uh, a sprint through the finish line, but uh, but we can see the end inside here. So I appreciate so much that you're tuning in here to Dollars and Cents, presented by North Main Financial, as we give attention to, and perhaps and will even spark some conversation regarding, items of economic and financial importance. Now, you know, as a previous listener to this show, we're talking on a lot of things, and we do that intentionally, and we're going to be all over the place. We talk about some fun stuff, some anecdotal stuff, and we also talk about some pretty serious stuff that's happening around us. And sometimes as we're doing that, we're talking on specific investments, maybe management companies, maybe publicly traded uh, entities of one shape, size, variety, or another. But you remember, as a previous listener to Dollars and Cents, that nothing that we're talking about here is intended as a specific recommendation for you, meaning that even as we're talking about these things. Everybody's situation is unique. Everybody has their own particular financial journey and their own financial space. So we strongly, strongly recommend that you reach out to your tax advisor, to your financial advisor, or if you'd like to reach out to us at North Main Financial, love to hear from you, love to chat about your particular financial situation and to see if there are ways in which we might be able to be helpful to you. Online, you can find us at northmainfinancial.com. That's north like the direction, main like the street, Financial.com, NorthMainFinancial.com. We have a contact page on there. Leave us an email address, a phone number. Let us know the most preferred and desirable ways for us to contact you again at NorthMainFinancial.com. But if you'd like to get in touch with us during the show here, love to hear from you. Call in 844-STUDIO-4. That's 844-788-3464. 844-788-3464. I know we live in a text world now. I, I get that. You actually do got a doubt. Well, you don't need, no, Nobody dials numbers anymore. Do we even have phones, producer Bill, uh, that, uh, that 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 have a rotary? Di- you may not even know uh, or have ever experienced the rotary dial. I am somewhat familiar with the rotary. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've seen pictures, but, uh, but Studio Four. Yeah, no, that would be too tough. That, that would, because you'd really have to pay attention on right. this. All right, so not, we're not dialing here, but you, d- you definitely do have to press the I- impressioned uh, digits on your flat screen, uh, as uh, as you're calling it, 844-788-3464, if you'd like to call into the studio here, as we're talking about here on Dollars and Cents, all items economic and financial. All right, hot headlines. This is our first segment. We've, we've pivoted a little bit. We've structured things a little bit differently here on Dollars and Cents, focusing on some things that we think might might be known to you, might not be known to you, but certainly they're the kinds of headlines that we're seeing uh, on our end of things at North Main Financial or we're hearing about from clients. So let's go ahead and dive into it. The hot headlines in terms of, uh, of what we're seeing here, one that's not so good. And uh, meaning that not, this isn't the kind of news that we'd necessarily like to be able to, uh, to talk about, but it is a fact of life when we talk about how businesses and entities cycle. Rite Aid, Rite Aid uh, drugstores, probably very familiar to you, you may even use one. Uh, in in going to a Rite Aid for your prescriptions or for other needs. Rite Aid declared Chapter 11 bankruptcy uh, this past week. And and the reason why we're mentioning that, obviously, is because Rite Aid is very well known and uh, and is is certainly prolific throughout the country in terms of their locations. About 100 stores, it looks like, are going to be closing down. Uh, I don't think all at once, and I don't think that uh, necessarily – 
it's going to be something that happens even in the, in the immediate term, but it's going to be happening. And so you're going to see some stores start to close. You're going to see some stores uh, reformatted in terms of what they offer. That's part of going through the bankruptcy filing process. Uh, they did secure financing, meaning Rite Aid uh, did secure some financing to restructure in bankruptcy. So it'll be interesting to see how they come out on the other side. Probably should do a little bit of background on Rite Aid uh, just relative to their financial situation. This isn't a complete surprise, at least not to us at North Main Financial. They've been in a pretty tough space financially for an extended period of time now. And uh, and so this was not a complete surprise, certainly not in the same kind of financial strength that, say, a CVS Caremark uh, is or Walgreens Boots Alliance uh, is uh, both very strong in terms of their financial position. Rite Aid's been in a tough space. And, uh, and they also have a collection of lawsuits still pending against them with regards to uh, the opioid em- epidemic. So, uh, so again, not wanting to get into the legal aspect of things there. But they did declare Chapter 11 bankruptcy going through a restructuring. So if you uh, shop at Rite Aid or you have your prescriptions at Rite Aid, you may just want to check in with them to make sure that uh, that they're going to continue to uh, to be offering them at your particular location. And if not, to take a look at what the other options may be. All right, now we're going to get into something fun here. And it's fun because I love to eat. I really do. And I know on, on, on Good Morning LKN, which by the way, if you haven't turned in a Good Morning LKN, Monday to Friday, 7 to 9, the Chief, Justin, Producer Bill, they do a great job. Tune in here, 105.9 FM, 100.7 FM, all the socials, 7 to 9 in the morning. They do a great job. But I know they like to eat, too. So I, I, I don't mind talking about food so much because I know they like to eat, too. But, uh, but big news from Taco Bell. Now, Producer Bill, uh, I don't know if you saw this news. I don't, and I don't know if you are a uh, consumer of, uh, of, of anything Taco Bell. I, t- I tend to like it periodically uh, in, uh, in, in my, uh, well, let's say not very uh, sophisticated palate uh, to, uh, to consume it. So are, are, you, are you a Taco Bell person? I have to do the mental gymnastics to tell myself <laughs> I'm not a Taco Bell person, but yes, I am very much a Taco. I'm a Taco Bill. Uh, you're Taco, Taco Bill. <laughs> See, I love. I, I do. I, yeah. I love. I mean, it's 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 the kind of thing. It's just. It's usually the right place at the right time. Anyhow, uh, Taco Bell, uh, part of uh, publicly traded entity Yum Brands. I mean, what a name for a company, Yum. I mean, if you're going to own uh, KFC and Pizza Hut and Taco Bell, I think it's appropriate that you call yourself Yum. Uh, as uh, as an entity. So publicly traded, and again, not a recommendation to buy, to sell, or hold uh, Yum brand stock, but Taco Bell specifically uh, saw on the headlines this past week, they're introducing a double steak grilled cheese burrito. Now that just sounds like a lot, a lot of goodness uh, to me, at least insofar as uh, all things Taco Bell are concerned. Double steak grilled cheese burrito. If Whoa. you're, I mean- I love all of those things. Why, yes. I love double. Yes. I, I, I love steak. <laughs> yeah. I love grilled. I love cheese and I love right. burrito. It's so. sad that you had me a double. <laughs> <laughs> because now I'm just thinking, that's a lot of steak, you know, or a lot of, or a lot of grilled cheese. Uh, anyhow, so if you, if you are one who enjoys the, uh, the delicacies at, uh, uh, at, at Taco Bell, like I do, like producer Bill does, you may want to take a look for the double steak grilled cheese burrito. Say that five times fast. All right. So again, as, as we're looking at uh, what's happening around hot headlines kinds of things, we're in earnings season right now. And I'm going to start on this, and then we're going to hear from our sponsors here in a couple of minutes, and I'm going to keep going on it. But I want to talk about it. When we say earnings season in terms of, uh, of headlines and, and what's hot, you know, every quarter, 
publicly traded companies uh, report their earnings. So every 90 days approximately, uh, we hear from uh, from publicly traded companies. They're on differing schedules, meaning not everybody is on the same either calendar year quarter, uh, they may be in fiscal year quarter. So it, yes, they are coming and going constantly in terms of their quarterly reports. But generally speaking, they're bunched up. And so that's why we call this earnings season. Uh, we're pretty much in the middle of it right now of where things are right now. But we got two big ones that, that, that are out there. And just an interesting thing before we go to break here, just an interesting thing for you to kind of keep in mind, because we're seeing a pretty interesting dichotomy in the market. Uh, Netflix. I mean, who doesn't know Netflix at this point? I think it's uh, it's almost as ubiquitous as, say, uh, Coca-Cola at, uh, at this point. Netflix came out with some surprisingly strong numbers. Uh, it was very interesting to see. And then we got Tesla, which are the, the electric cars, Elon Musk uh, out there. Not so great in terms of their quarterly report for uh, for several different reasons. So it's it's interesting to see, and we're going to be talking about this uh, here in uh, in the second quarter of, of our show here on Dollars and Cents, but we're going to be talking about uh, more about what we're seeing in the markets, and that's going to be in the fourth quarter as well. Little teaser, I want you to hang around. But, uh, but for right now, we're going to hear from our sponsors. You're listening to Dollars and Cents, presented by North Main Financial here on WSIC. Hello and welcome back to Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. I'm your host, Joshua Doby. Thank you so much for hanging with us into the second quarter. Your football reference, if, if you if you listen to about 10 minutes of any of uh, our Dollars and Cents shows here, you know when it's football season, we're going to reference football. And Producer Bill, uh, I, I think um, looking at the glass half full for our beloved uh, Carolina Panthers, I think it's good we get a little break this week. Yeah, yeah, it'll be nice to kind of step away, yeah. regather. Yeah. The first couple drives down in Miami, though, I, mean, I thought about you. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I, I, mean, I, I mean, I'm watching, and I'm getting excited. I mean, right. I, I'm looking at it. We get two quick scores. I'm thinking, right. okay, you know, we're, the dam's going to break here I was here already like, we're back. We're back. We're back. I, I mean, we just, <laughs> yeah. just 180. Right. And, uh, well, that, that was a little foolish on my part uh, to uh, to get that excited about it because uh, things did not stay in that particular direction. Uh, what is for, it, a uh, revert? To the mean? The revert. Oh, we, uh, well, <laughs> we, we have established a new mean, and, and it's a mean yes. mean, it is uh, a mean. In, uh, in, in, in this season. I'm not going to talk about the record uh, because we are perfect, but not in the ways that we want to be. And uh, and so we're going to be looking at opportunities. I, I I don't think I can say it's early anymore. I think I think we're beyond. Is it? Or, or can I say it's early until we get to the halfway point? Is that is that okay? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Let's keep that going. Yeah. Okay. All right. So it's early. All right. It's 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 early in terms of uh, of the season yet. So uh, so we're going to catch a break this week. We're going to come back next week and uh, and we're going to be ready. We're going to we're going to be refreshed and ready to go. So I'm I'm, I'm excited on it. All right. A little bit of football there. There's probably not going to be the last time I talk about football here on Dollars and Cents. Appreciate so much, though, you hanging with us into the second quarter. All right, as we were going to break there, we were talking about uh, earnings season, right? So and talking about headline kinds of things, the hot headlines that we're seeing out there. Uh, like I said, I, I don't know that anybody uh, is unfamiliar with uh, with Netflix, and it seems like uh, most folks are familiar with Tesla. Uh, and I bring those up, A, because, yes, they're familiar, and probably companies that you've probably heard at some point, uh, perhaps even follow, perhaps even even own. It's not a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any of those, uh, either of those companies. But 
bringing them out because they both reported earnings here in the last couple of days. And to see the differences in terms of uh, the earnings experience, which is in a sense happening all the time. I mean, it always is, right? I mean, not all companies are doing well, not all companies are doing poorly, and there are a whole bunch of companies that are somewhere in the middle of, uh, of those two things. And uh, we're seeing that here. Netflix came out with, I would say, exceptional numbers. And it was interesting. I was, I was reading through uh, a little bit of the, um, uh, of the text of the earnings call. Uh, so I wasn't on the call, but I read through some of the text of, of the earnings call. One of the primary reasons why Netflix came out with such good numbers, and I am chuckling here, is because they're cracking down on folks who share the access code for Netflix, which apparently there is a way. Um, Producer Bill, I, I'm sure you don't know this, so that's why I'm not asking you, um, because we, we're on the straight and narrow here at WSIC. But, uh, but apparently there is a way uh, for you to be able to share your access code, or there was a way, and, and now they're cracking down on that. So it's not as, not as easy to do that anymore? Uh, yeah, no, this is all news to me. I've okay. never uh, shared or do no, not share. No. Um, definitely not on, not on my parents. No, no, def, no, def, no. and uh, definitely not uh, when we're speaking on a recording of any kind Correct. Uh, to, uh, to do that. <laughs> uh, however, but that was part of the reason because apparently some of those folks on whom they were cracking down, they got their own subscription. So that was good for the earnings report that works. for, for, that uh, for works. Netflix. <laughs> Anyhow, so good on that side of things. And then looking at Tesla, though, some challenges. And, uh, and I think probably one of the most, uh, let's say, disappointing aspects uh, is with regards to their cyber truck. I, I don't know if there's another way to describe it. Their cyber truck, which has uh, cost a tremendous amount of money in development and production, Pushed back in terms of when we can expect it to come to market, and there's a there is a huge demand out there. I, I've I've looked at some of the pre-order uh, folks and the pre-order um, uh, reports about uh, about demand and, and and about interest in that kind of thing. I mean. It, it, look, it looks cool. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know. Does it look cool? Am I going to buy one? No, probably not. But I, I can mean, see myself going up to Taco see, Bell, getting a double grilled <laughs> in the Cybertruck. In, in a Cybertruck. They wouldn't even hear you, though, right? I mean, right, it would be, exactly. because it, you, you could sneak up there as, <laughs> right. as, big, as big as it might be because it's all running electric. But, <laughs> you know, that's actually that's a great visual, uh, actually going uh, into the Taco Bell uh, drive through with, uh, with a Cybertruck. Okay, we might have to do that for WSIC here. Uh, once once those trucks become available, they're not. That was part of the disappointment. It's one of the reasons why uh, the stock price was down uh, so much there whenever the report was made. So so we're seeing those kinds of things. And, and then I really need to, to mention as well, uh, for the obvious reasons, uh, especially in this um, interest rate environment, as we're looking at hot headlines, as we're looking at earnings season, uh, and I have, to, I have to talk about where the banks are right now. And, and here in the Charlotte region, of course, there's a hypersensitivity to uh, to the banks because we are arguably the the financial capital here in this country, outside of New York City. And uh, and, I, and I'll say it's it's very mixed right now. Uh, Goldman Sachs uh, came out terrible numbers. I mean, terrible in terms of what was expected. Uh, terrible numbers. Wells Fargo very disappointing uh, in terms of uh, of what was expected. Interestingly enough, Bank of America looking very strong uh, right now. Now again, got to provide the caveat. I'm not recommending Bank of America. I'm not recommending that you sell Wells Fargo. It's not that they're bad companies or are bad people. Nothing whatsoever. What I'm talking about are the numbers that they have reported and that they are projecting compared to what was expected by the street or by Wall Street. And, uh, and, it, and it's very, very interesting. We're still dealing with the effects of uh, that, that mess that we had in the first quarter of this year 
when we had Silicon Valley Bank had taken over by the FDIC and a couple of other banks as well at that time. And I'm not saying it because of concern about the structural integrity of, uh, of our banking system, but rather the perception. And it really is a perception issue at this point because uh, there, there's just a lot of challenge. Here, here's another thing anecdotally with regards to where we are interest rate wise. And uh, you may already know this, but it's, uh, it's a little bit counterintuitive to how we think about our own personal spaces. That when you look at banks and when you look at what is uh, beneficial for banks, it, it may be uh, already evident to you. But I find that it's not evident to everybody that uh, the deposits, that when we, we make deposits, those are considered liabilities to the bank because A, they owe you that money. Now B, they also owe you some interest on that money if they if you're in an account that pays out to interest or pays interest for uh, for the deposit. So it's actually considered to be a liability and it's an asset whenever they make a loan uh, on that. Whereas, you know, we think about our personal situations, it's exactly the opposite, right? If we have the cash ourselves, it's considered an asset. If we have a loan, it's considered to be a liability, exactly in the reverse for the bank. So kind of interesting uh, on that note. So, yeah, and what's, what's really happened here over the last, again, sidebars, we're talking about earnings season. But what's really happened a lot here over the last six months or so is that deposits specifically and high yield uh, or higher yielding savings and money market accounts have gone through the roof, meaning they have increased dramatically. I mean, we're looking every day at the CD, bond, high yield savings markets uh, literally every single day. I mean, it's it's not that uncommon now to see high yield savings north of 4%, some even north of 5%. Uh, CDs, especially on the short end of the curve or with uh, relatively short durations, 5.5, 5.6. I even had one come across my desk that was north of 6% here recently. Short duration, we're talking about uh, 12, 18 month kinds of things, but, uh, but definitely out there in the marketplace right now. So when we're looking at those kinds of things, opportunistically, I mean, a lot of possibility out there. I mean, we've had more conversations. We've had more conversations at North Main Financial about CDs and high yield money market accounts in the last year than I'm. I'm pretty confident that uh, we could say in the last ten years combined. I mean, it's just amazing. And the reason why we didn't have as many conversations in the, in the most recent history is because rates were so miserable. So our conversations were more like, yep, they're out there. Rates are awful. And unless you're just looking for a preservation of capital with no return, uh, there really aren't a whole lot of discussion points. But now we do have discussion points. And I'm thankful for that for our clients. I'm thankful for that for the market. But uh, but it's challenging, especially because we continue to be in an inverted yield curve situation. All right. So let's uh, let's get an, another headline, hot headline here at as, uh, as we're looking at what's happening in our news and what the, what are the kinds of things that are dotting the headlines from a financial standpoint, I got to talk about this data point that uh, that, that we got here. I believe it was this morning, uh, actually, uh, with regards to uh, home sales. Now, when we're talking about home sales, let's be very specific in terms of what I'm describing here. This is in terms of the actual sale transactions. I'm not talking about new homes being built or the number of new homes being built. I'm also not talking about uh, folks who are necessarily moving, uh, but I am talking about home sale transactions. And the reason why I'm bringing it up here is because we hit uh, as a, as of the time of the um, uh, of the distribution of this data, we hit a 13 year low in terms of home sale transactions. Basically, what that means is we've had the fewest number of home sales here in the last 12 months that we've had in the last 13 years. Basically, before the uh, the Great um, uh, Depression. 
Great Recession that we had there in 2008, 2009. So what does that mean? Well, necessarily by itself, it doesn't mean anything. So we, we don't like to take data points out and, and, and keep them out of context. But it does because of housing being such a huge component of things like CPI and things like personal net worth, uh, when we're looking at, uh, at, at us as a country in terms of our fiscal position, uh, it, it's huge. And it's a very, very big deal. I'll say it from another angle. For many folks, their personal, their primary residence is their primary source of wealth on a net worth statement. And it, so it's a very, very big deal whenever we're looking at that kind of thing. So the number of sales that have taken place, so the number of transactions is at a 13-year low. Now, why might that be the case? Well, any number of reasons why that might be the case. We have higher interest rates. So if you have a low mortgage, if you have a mortgage that has a smaller interest rate, you may not want to take on a mortgage with a larger interest rate, which you'd be required to do in most instances if you would sell your home and buy another home. Uh, it could be because there's just less demand right now. I mean, the rental market right now is exceptionally strong in most areas of the country. Perhaps more folks are choosing to rent. That's also a, uh, a possibility. Are folks concerned about where we are economically? Are houses too expensive in their opinion? All of those factors can be in play there. And that's certainly what we want to keep in mind when we're looking at these kinds of data points, because we don't want to just arbitrarily say, well, it's this one thing or it's another thing. That's never true. You have to take it in context. You have to understand where the overall market is so that we can get a good idea, not only about where we are, but then about where we're going. All right, friends. Well, I'm going to take a deep breath here as we hear from our sponsors. I appreciate you so much for tuning in to Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. Stick with us as we come back for the second half here on WSIC. Hello and welcome back to Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. I'm your host, Joshua Doby. Thank you so much for hanging with us into the second half, football reference, second half of this week's show here on Dollars and Cents. Got to let you know how you can call in. If you'd like to call into the show here, can't promise you that I'm going to get it to your particular answer, but I guarantee that I'm going to write, I can't say that too often. The compliance folks get real jumpy when I say the word guarantee, but I can guarantee that I'm going to make note of, uh, of what you'd like to discuss and make sure that we include it, if not in today's show, certainly in a future show. So give us a buzz here in the studio, 844-STUDIO-4. That's 844-788-3464, 844-788-3464. I was told a long time ago, Producer Bill, that I had to say it three times. And that for whatever reason, uh, th that if, if I say it three times, that even if somebody's not listening, there's a chance they're going to catch it or at least be sick of hearing me say it. Right. Is I like, that. Is, I like that, that. is that the way that it works? I, I like know. that. That is the, the rule of three. The rule of three. 844-788-3464. You get four. You get a bonus one there. All right. Give us a buzz. If you'd like to talk about something in particular, can't speak into your personal situation, certainly here on the air, but if it's a general topic, I could certainly give you an, an idea about just some broad parameters to uh, to consider there. All right. Thinking about and, think, and thinking about football, I was I, I felt like I was negative talking about the Carolina Panthers there in the last segment. So let's talk about something positive. Our our Carolina Tar Heels. So going now, I'm pivoting right to uh, to, to college football. Uh, our our Carolina Tar Heels. Holy smokes! I mean, I impressive. And Drake May, uh, the 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 quarterback, star quarterback for uh, for the Tar Heels. That name's probably familiar. We had several of the May brothers uh, who were right here in Huff High School in uh, in Cornelius. And correct. Uh, I mean, so I I do feel a kinship uh, to uh, to those guys, even though they have no idea who I am. I still do, <laughs> right? Because I'm cheering for them uh, and uh, and hoping them well. So if you're a Tar Heels fan, it's been a good stretch uh, here, and uh, and I hope that that continues there. All right. So I had had to mention that because I felt like I was. Being 
be a negative on, on that end of thing. And if you're not a Tar Heel fan, don't call in here and blow up producer Bill. I, I like all of our, I, I, I am, I am one who embraces all of, uh, of, of our local teams here. I want them all to do well. So, all right. So let's, uh, let's pivot a little bit. We're, we're talking about, uh, our hot headlines there in the previous couple of segments, this, this segment, and, and we've started this here in the last couple of weeks. And I, and I think that this is this is important. We get a lot of feedback on these kinds of things from folks who want us to talk about just some, what for us are pretty common terms or pretty common subjects, but may or may not be for you. And, and they really are starting out by defining certain terms in the financial world and uh, and then how they might be applicable to uh, your experience. Not that you're experiencing it directly but uh, or specifically rather, but that you may uh, in your own nuanced way, whether it's with your retirement plan or with your own investment portfolio, those good kinds of things. So we're so this is what we're calling what to know, and uh, we've talked about four hundred one ks. We've talked about social security. This week we're just gonna we're just gonna define something, and it's probably something with which you're familiar. And if if you're very familiar with it, indulge me for a little bit here as we're talking about it. But we're gonna talk about the idea, concept, and what is a mutual fund. Now, a mutual fund may be very familiar to you. If you have a 401k, you have a retirement plan, you, uh, you may have mutual funds inside of, that, uh, inside of that retirement plan. If you have your own personal investments, you may invest in mutual funds, or you may own mutual funds, or you may have owned mutual funds, or perhaps you inherited mutual funds from, uh, from someone who passed away. So there are all kinds of possibilities. There. Let's, let's start out, though, by defining what it is. Because interestingly enough, even with folks I know who have had mutual funds for a long time, they really can't define it uh, in terms of what it is. I tend to be a real simple person. You know that. If you've been listening to dollars and cents for longer than about 10 minutes, I tend to break things down to a pretty simple and pretty direct kind of way. And I'm going to be doing that and defining what a mutual fund is. A mutual fund, think of it like a bucket, literally. Think of a mutual fund like a bucket. And that bucket can hold all kinds of things, meaning it can own some stocks, it can own some bonds, it can have some cash, it may own international stocks, it may own large company stocks, it may own small company stocks, it may own U.S. government uh, bonds, it may own corporate bonds, it may own junk bonds, it can own all kinds of things. But think of a mutual fund as a bucket. And different mutual funds are different, have different stuff inside their own buckets, right? Like I said, you got some that are more aggressive uh, in terms of what they own. You've got some that are more conservative. You've got some, like I said, that own some bonds, maybe more bonds, or maybe some that own more technology or more uh, aggressive equity uh, kinds of things. You may own uh, some blue chips, meaning those companies that tend to be uh, tend to be around for a little bit longer and tend to pay a dividend uh, kind of thing. But that's, that's what a mutual fund is. Now, there are several different kinds of mutual funds. For the most part, most folks, when you say mutual fund, are usually talking about what we call open-end mutual funds, meaning that uh, they do not trade on a day on excuse me on a minute-by-minute basis. Meaning they don't trade on a stock exchange. They usually price one time per day, usually around six o'clock or so Eastern, depending upon the particular company, uh, because that's when they have all the pricing done from all of the markets uh, that uh, uh, that ha- that house the entities or trade the entities that are inside of that particular mutual fund. So it tends to move in uh, in that kind. 
kind of fashion. And there's no limit, generally speaking, within certain parameters, there's no limit on the number of shares that a mutual fund company can issue. Meaning that if you want to buy a mutual fund, you don't have to worry about buying it from someone else on, on, a, on an exchange or, on, or trading it in a secondary market. So that tends to be open-end mutual funds, tend to be the ones that most folks know, even if they don't know that, tends to be the ones that most, uh, most folks own. Now, there is another t- style called a closed-end mutual fund. So we've got open-end where you can buy them directly from the mutual fund company. Closed-end mutual funds tend to trade a little bit more like stocks, meaning they're still funds. They're still buckets. They're still, they still contain certain things inside of them, be they bonds or equities or cash instruments or perhaps even futures contracts or options contracts. They can own any number of different things inside of there. But they tend they, – they can trade, first of all, meaning that you can trade them with, uh, with other investors on it through an exchange – and, uh, and they tend to be um, defined in terms of the number of shares available. So it tends to be more stock-like or individual stock-like when we're talking about a closed-end mutual fund. So we've got a mutual fund. It's a bucket, right? We've got open-end funds, which, you know, it, when I say open-end funds, so what would be names that would be familiar to you? Vanguard, Fidelity, uh, American Funds uh, slash Capital Group, um, those kinds. Invesco uh, is, an, is another big one that's out there as well. So those are open-end mutual fund companies. The closed-end companies, you probably uh, haven't heard very much of them, and, uh, and meaning that they're not just nearly as prolific as the open-end uh, mutual companies. So groups like Nuveen, uh, Barclays, uh, that, uh, that have closed-end funds that, uh, that are out there, uh, tend to be uh, MFS, uh, also has a number of, uh, of closed-end funds as well. So that, when you look at those kinds of things, you look at them relative to the marketplace, you know, that, that's something that's healthy to know. Because for so many folks, especially when we're talking about retirement accounts, we're talking about 401ks, many, many, many 401ks have mutual funds or mutual fund style investments inside of them. And I say this to say that to say what I'm going to say next. It's important to know what you own. And, and just to say, well, I own, and I'm just making up uh, things now, the Vanguard Growth Fund or, or the American Funds Washington Mutual Investors Fund, yeah, that's important. It's important that you have the name uh, on there, which by, you know, caveat here, not recommending that you buy, sell, or hold any of the funds that we're talking about. But, uh, but it's important to know what's inside the fund itself because some funds have a lot of variability that's allowed inside of the fund, meaning that the fund manager or fund managers can move things in a particular direction and that may be different from what you anticipate. Uh, sometimes we call that style drift, meaning that uh, sometimes certain mutual funds start out in a certain way. And if another part of the market is, quote, hot or, or is desirable by one of the managers or the manager, then the fund can move in that direction. You may not even know it uh, outside of uh, understanding what the performance is of that fund. I, I know it's a little bit arduous. I know it's not the kind of thing that that is, you know, what, what's, what's going to maybe light up the cocktail party whenever you're uh, bringing it up in conversation. But uh, understanding how a mutual fund works is important, especially if you own them. And like I said, for many folks in their 401ks, 403bs, SEP IRAs, IRAs, uh, uh, either traditional or Roth, there's a fair chance that you do own some mutual funds inside of there. So A, understanding how they're put together, and then B, and this is this is perhaps the most important point, understanding how they work in terms of what they own 
Very, very important. Let me say it this way. There are reports all the time now. It used to be that they would come out one time a year. Of course, that's just showing my age uh, in terms of the frequency. Now you can pull up this data almost daily. You can't with most open-end funds know what's happening daily because they have some privacy with regards to the trades that they make. But within 30, 60, definitely 90 days, you can have a good idea about what uh, about what they're moving. So you can pull that kind of data. We use Morningstar. Morningstar is a big data analytics service uh, in terms of pulling information on mutual funds to be able to understand where they are and uh, and what they've been doing. And they've got ratings on them and all that. I don't tend to pay a whole lot of attention to that kind of thing. I'm, more, I'm much more interested in how funds are managed, what their expenses are, and then, of course, for the obvious reasons, their performance uh, against apples to apples, meaning like-kind uh, funds in their category or their style over an extended period of time. That's what's most important to me. But, uh, but it's important to know what you own. I mean, it's important to understand about you know, what is, is it is it aggressive? Is it more conservative? I mean, this is a good time of the year to be looking at that as well, especially if you've had some success from uh, from earlier this year. Now, some of that may have been trimmed a little bit, meaning some of that may have been may have pared back a little bit uh, here over the last couple of months. But when you're looking at it, understanding a what a mutual fund is, like I said, think about it like a bucket, uh, and it's, it's it's helpful to think of it that way. It's a little more simplistic, maybe, but uh, but it can be helpful to think about it that way. But then, perhaps most importantly, understand what's in it. Understand, does the manager have discretion to be able to move in one direction or another? How would you know if they did? I mean, you got to track them pretty closely. You got to be looking at the reports, or if you're not looking at them, you got to have your advisor take a look at them so that you, you actually know what you own. Because for most folks, when things are going well, they're not too worried about it. It's when things are going poorly, which by the way, it's too late after you look at it, after things are going poorly. So take a look at it beforehand. This is a good time, like I said, to be doing it calendar year in the fourth quarter of the uh, of the calendar year. This is a good time to be doing that. All right, friends. Well, I'm going to take uh, another uh, quick break here. Catch my breath. Thank you so much for listening to Dollars and Cents here on WSIC News Talk Now. Hello and welcome back to Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. I'm your host, Joshua Doby. Thank you so much. Hanging with us, fourth quarter football reference. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be another great weekend for football. Our Panthers are taking a break. They're healing up a little bit. They're making sure that they're ready to go uh, for uh, for next week, coming off of uh, coming off a of bye week. But if you're a college football fan, it's going to be big. Somebody told me, is it, is it Penn State, Ohio State? I know they're not local. Don't get too excited. But Penn State, Ohio State, uh, is that this weekend, uh, Producer Bill? Gosh, I'm I'm actually not sure. I should know that. I, I should th- be on that. I'm, I'm thinking that it's, it's one of it's. I remember thinking it was Big Ten teams. Anyhow, that that they may be playing because that's going to be one of the big games uh, for this weekend. So if you're a Penn State, Ohio State fan, you you could probably call in eight four four Studio four eight four four seven eight eight three four six four. Let me know. Straighten me out here a little bit. And uh, uh, and I'm not forgetting the Michigan fans. I feel like every time I say Ohio State, I got to make sure that I'm not forgetting the Michigan fans as well. I'm not uh, in uh, in doing that. But uh, but thank you so much for hanging with us into the fourth quarter here. And and we're going to be talking markets. So we talked about the hot headlines at the front of the show. I talked about what to know and understanding just what a mutual fund is and uh, and understanding how those things going together. I know you're hanging around for uh, for thoughts on the markets. We hear from you folks uh, frequently uh, about that. I want to talk about uh, actually a deal in the market. Well, I, I shouldn't say it's a deal. I should say that it's been discussed and certainly there is pursuit uh, by one um, company 
uh, to try to buy another one. It has to do with uh, Wyndham Hotels. Wyndham Hotels, uh, which is being pursued by the Choice Hotels Group. It's been going on for mm, a number of months. I'm going to say at least six months, seven, eight months that, uh, that that I've been seeing this. So Wyndham Hotels, probably familiar to. Choice Hotels, probably would be uh, familiar to. Comfort Inn, th- those uh, those kinds of entities. Sleep Inn, uh, part of the Choice Hotels Group. Um, and, uh, and Choice has been trying to buy Wyndham. Uh, and they just made another uh, larger offer upwards of combined between stock and cash of $90 a share, uh, just under $8 billion. If it goes through, it's going to be, I mean, it's, that's a very notable deal. You get, you get uh, multiple billions on, uh, on a deal. That's, uh, that's certainly a very large item that hits uh, my kind of radar screen. But, uh, but Wyndham just came out, their board just came out and very flatly rejected it. They said it just basically for these reasons, uh, we're not going to be accepting it. And it really didn't offer, at least I didn't see, uh, offer up a salvo for um, a negotiation. It was just basically a flat no. Uh, for uh, for several different reasons, talking about the debt that would need to be raised and those kinds of things, which is very common in those kinds of scenarios. But Wyndham didn't feel like that that was a good pathway to go for their shareholders. So very interesting to see that uh, in the market here. But let's talk. Let's talk about another part of the market <laughs> that doesn't get. And I'm chuckling because uh, it, we we talk about it a lot at North Main Financial, but it certainly doesn't isn't the kind of thing that hits most business news programs uh, all that much. And I'm going to talk about the fairly stodgy, uh, fairly boring. Uh, end of the investment universe uh, that we know affectionately uh, at North Main Financial uh, as the municipal bond market. Now, I'm not going to get into to defining those like we were talking about with mutual funds, so I, I, we could do that in another segment, but I really want to talk about where interest rates are in the municipal bond market. Now, as we talked about almost nonstop here for the last six months or so, interest rates on on most things have increased pretty dramatically as the Federal Reserve has been uh, very intentional about raising the overnight lending rate, which has spilled over as it was intended to do into just about everything that has an interest rate associated with it when it comes to debt or liability. And uh, and what we've seen, what we have uh, seen, and now talking about the municipal bond market, is a notable uptick or a notable increase in the interest rates that are being offered. Uh, and certainly in the secondary market, when, uh, when bonds that, that have already been issued but are trading in the secondary market between investors, we've seen I mean, just a higher demand for, uh, for interest rates there. Now, what makes municipal bonds desirable? Again, without going too far into the academic weeds, you may already know this, but with municipal bonds, if you happen to own a municipal bond, uh, whether it's a revenue bond or a general, a GEO, a general obligation uh, municipal bond, uh, and you, uh, for an entity in the state in which you are primary, primarily domiciled, there you go. I told you I wasn't going to get too academic, and now here we go. Now, all right, so let's talk about here in North Carolina. If you buy a North Carolina revenue bond, a revenue municipal bond, or a GEO uh, um, municipal obligation, uh, and, and you buy it in North Carolina, and you are a North Carolina resident, the interest that is paid on that, meaning the interest that you receive for owning that bond, is tax-free both at a federal and at a state level. Let me say that again. So if you own a bond in the place where you're primary domiciled, let's, I'm using the example North Carolina, you own a North Carolina municipal bond, you are in, in most instances, not all, there are those which are taxable. I'm not going to talk about those today. So this is not every single one. But if you own a North Carolina municipal bond, a GEO or a revenue municipal bond, 
then you do not pay income tax on at a federal level or a state level on the interest that you receive on those bonds. So that, that's kind of a big – that's always been a big deal, right? I mean that's always been one of the things that has made municipal bonds in your state uh, to be uh, attractive to you. But what makes it even more attractive right now is those rates have increased quite a bit. I mean we're starting to see municipal bond rates north of 3%, even touching on 4%, completely tax-free. If you do the math and you do what sometimes we uh, internally call a tax equivalency, meaning Meaning, what would you have to earn on a bond that is taxable to you in order for uh, in order to you know to be equal, if you will, to uh, to that tax free income that you receive in a municipal bond? We're bumping into six percent now. Uh, you know, 5.5%, 6%, even north of 6% when you, t- when you uh, factor in some of our higher tax uh, locales. So very, very big deal when we're looking at that. So that's, that's another part of the market right now that is very, very interesting. So talking about the merger and acquisition end of things with, with Wyndham and Choice, now talking about municipals, now very interesting to, uh, to see how that's uh, matriculating as well because uh, that's going to continue to be an opportunity for folks to be able to get some yield be able to, and, and be able to do so in a way – where if they're buying individual bonds, so long as the, the entity continues to be financially solvent, you're going to get a return of your principal plus that tax-free interest, in, again, for bonds that are in the state where you're domiciled. So kind of a big deal. And we're really watching it uh, pretty closely on our end of things. All right, market-wise, I know we're getting to it. Uh, market's down about seven percent, seven plus percent, a little bit, a little over seven. I, I didn't mean to sing that. That was just me uh, recalling what it had been since August first. Since August first, down about seven percent as measured by the S and P five hundred index. And uh, and so when when we're we're seeing that, a not unexpected. We had a really hot start to the year as measured by our most popular indices. Had to take a breather. Definitely seeing that right now. But what we are a little bit concerned about is what, what's coming next. As I've talked about several times here on dollars and cents, we've got federal student loan payments, which are restarting again. That That is going to, to vacuum up billions with a B in terms of cash flow out of our economy. So that's going to be a big deal. What is that going to mean for the consumer? Where are they going to cut back? Because assuming that their income uh, doesn't increase in corresponding ways as those payments restart, what does that mean for the consumer? Where are they going to stop or slow down spending? So we're watching retailers, we're watching the automobile market, we're watching real estate, we're watching what that's going. We're watching the Christmas retail season, which I know shocker, it's it, it's it's practically here. I mean, I see I, I go into some of these retail spaces. We already got Christmas trees up. I mean, can't we just enjoy Halloween yet? I mean, we're still a couple day, couple of weeks from Halloween. <laughs> can't we just get that first? And then I mean, we just we're just hopping over Thanksgiving. I I like Thanksgiving. I think I think Thanksgiving's a great holiday, but uh, but it seems like we're at a, we're at a headlong sprint for uh, for the Christmas season. But uh, but that being said, we're watching it. We're, what we're really talking about here, we're watching it in terms of consumer spending. Consumer spending two thirds to three quarters of our overall economy. A big deal. It's it's very um, very foundational to how we grow as a country. And so we're, we're watching that very closely. And so, so we got federal student loan payments that are out there. We're watching what that means for the consumer. But the higher interest rates. And you, know, you heard me talk uh, here a couple segments ago about the fact that housing sales are at their lowest point in the last 13 years. That in and of itself, that data point in and of itself, isn't particularly helpful unless you take it in context uh, because there are any number of reasons why that's the case. Higher interest rates, folks who have low interest uh, mortgages, lower interest mortgages, don't want to trade it for a higher interest mortgage or can't uh, from a financial affordability standpoint. So when we're, we're looking at that, okay, so what, what does that mean? You know, what, what is that housing uh, number? What do the housing numbers there indicate for 
for where the consumer is, where we are economically, and what's what's going to come next. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, we're watching those kinds of things, especially as we're looking at next year being a presidential election year, all that goes along with that. And I'm not saying that there are necessary financial implications from a presidential election year. It just tends to be noisier. It just tends to it just tends to drown out, or it tends to kind of consume all of the air in the proverbial room, if you will. And and so, we're, what does that mean? Because there are going to be some bets, assumptions made uh, based upon who's in the Oval Office, even though that person in the Oval Office cannot dictate uh, anything in our stock markets or even legislatively. Uh, they can't do that, but it happens every time. See it every single cycle. Same thing. Well, if so and so gets in the office, it's going to be fill in the blank, either amazingly wonderful or absolutely miserable. Well, that's that's okay to have that kind of perception. It's not really based in reality, but I mean, there's plenty of that perception out there. Uh, I'd be much more concerned about who our representatives are in Congress. And even more so, I'd be much more concerned about who our representatives are in our state. And even beyond that, the most interested, I know this might be counterintuitive, and who the folks are in your town or your city. I mean, we're coming up to municipal elections here in Cornelius, Huntersville, Davidson, uh, here in the next couple of weeks, uh, the first week of November. Uh, they probably have more impact over your day-to-day -day life than any, any other election official, literally. I mean, they, they, they can impact you. I mean, they're, they're the ones who are making the decisions on the roads, where you are, the schools, where you are. I mean, all, all of that kind of stuff that affects our day to day. So you probably want to pay a little bit of attention to that. And by the way, go vote. Make sure that you go vote. But when we're looking at the markets here, we're looking at what we can anticipate for the year end. We're very cautious at, at North Main Financial. You could say we're always cautious. Yes, I'm more conservative. I am. I, I, I'm a bird in the hand kind of guy first. But, uh, but we're definitely, uh, I would say, cautious in terms of our expectations. A, because we've had such a notable amount of growth here uh, in the front part of the year, but also because of where we are from an economic cycle standpoint. Um, we're, we're starting to see that. We're starting to see some rotation into other parts of the markets that, uh, that have been largely ignored uh, to, uh, to this point in, in the year. Um, but we're still, we're still lacking. I mean, if you look at financials, you look at oil and energy, you look at utilities, it's been a miserable year. It really has. I mean, it's, it's not been a pleasant year in terms of performance. So, you know, does that mean that they kind of rotate in and, uh, and become, um, more desirable as, uh, as this, uh, this landscape changes? It may be true. That's certainly one of the things that we're watching. All right, we're rapidly approaching the end of this week's version of Dollars and Cents. Lightning fast recap here. We're talking about where things are market-wise. We're talking about burritos at Taco Bell. You're going to have to tune in the next time. I'm probably going to have something food-wise on that end of things as well. For the markets, for the balance of the year, we're remaining very cautious. Friends, we appreciate so much you tuning into this week's Dollars and Cents. I'm Joshua Doby. Until the next time, I'll look forward to talking with you soon. The new 105.9, 100.7 WSIC, Statesville, W290DK, Mooresville, Lake Norman, North Charlotte.